Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, what's up? And welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast recorded live from King's Comics, 310 Pitt Street, Sydney, every single week with me, one of your hosts, Andrew Levins, and my other co-host, Siobhan Coombs. Hello. Every week we read way too many comics, but not too many that we'd make a point of talking about it every week. Goodness, no. Uh, we read all those comics and we let you know which are the good ones that you should be reading too. This week we read a whole bunch of them, and I thought it was a pretty goddamn good week. Yeah, you said it was the best week since we've started, which I was like... I, like, I mean, it was a good week. <laughs> so, you, we do things a little differently. I will, I'll get my big bag of comics every week and then I'll put them in order in order mm. of what I w- want to read them in. All right. And then, uh, so I read, I, I wrote that to you. I was about halfway through the pile. Right. I was like, man, every comic that I've read has been great. <laughs> I do that And then sometimes. I realized I'd left a lot of stinkers towards the end. Yeah. See, this week I just kind of plowed in from like whatever was the top of my pile. That was the order I was reading in. Yeah. So, it was a bit more mixed. There you go. Before we get started, <laughs> kicking into it, we got we got a whole bunch of stuff going on. We got we got we got reviews of the new uh, Killer Be Killed, new Superman stuff, Moon Knights in there, whole bunch of number ones. But before we get there, we're going to talk about something that we did over the weekends: Oz Comic Con, which is a big event at the uh, Sydney Exhibition Centre. Mm-hmm. It is our version of Comic Con, yeah. And like all Australian versions of <laughs> things that are massive in America, it's somewhat sedated. Yeah. So it's, it's different. It's just different vibe. Um, yeah. But it's still an important event to exist. Absolutely. Um, and, and Siobhan and I spent a couple of hours there on Saturday with intentions to kind of, I guess, re- record interviews with some of the creators that were there. There weren't many big name creators. In fact, although I, we actually are going to review one of uh, the the, uh, the books that the crea- one of the creators that was at Sydney Com- Oz Comic Con uh, works on. Oh. Brad Walker, who does Aquaman, was there. Oh. I didn't realize until I left. I was like, oh, that's what Brad Walker does. Uh, yeah. I could have told him how much I'm... How average I think Aquaman is. That would have been, been a fun chat. That would have been good. I really liked this, we this, this week's Aquaman. Spoilers. I really enjoyed. Oh, that's exciting. Um, so, especially the art. That's oh, real good. Um, mm. He does a really good Superman. Ooh, there that is go. nice. <laughs> I could have told him that. <laughs> uh, but I just, I don't know. I, I wanted to make a, make, a, make a little comment about how it was a really strange vibe in that. It definitely, I mean, I, I've been there a couple of times now, a couple of times over the years, and I know what to expect. There's not many comics. There are no. not, not much in the way of comics. Uh, obviously, Kings has a massive stall. Yes. Pretty much as soon as you enter, it's just like walking through Kings, which I do twice a week anyway. <laughs> so, but um, beyond that, there's, you know, I kind of, every year there's less and less people selling comics. Yeah. It's sort of interesting how like in Australia, we don't, 
really necessarily have like a dedicated comic convention, even though both like Supernova sort of considers itself more of a pop culture convention. Oz Comic Con actually has comic in the name, and but it's more. It should be called Oz Cosplay Con, or and that's not a dig at no. all. Or Oz Funko Pop Vinyl Con, yeah, because Pop-Con. every single um, stall has sells pop vinyls, which is uh, delightful, and I don't hate them at all. But uh, there, there's always a, there used to be a lot of opportunities to kind of you know find go through some old back issues and weird old trades at um, old comic book stores or traveling comic book stores, like mm. from uh, interstate would come and put a table together. Mm. Um, and I really, really that, that was the reason why I would go. Um, this year, if you wanted to find secondhand comics, you pretty much had to like get down on your hands and knees and dig through like weird old boxes of, of comics. Yeah. Which is fun in its own way. But like, you know, when you when you are literally having to like look under the tables yeah. for comics. <laughs> like it was easier to enlist in the army than yeah. it was to buy comics at all. That Oz is that is a year. very good point. Uh, yeah. It was it was easier to to um enlist in a Quidditch group than it was to buy comics at Oz Comic Con this year. <laughs> There were two. There yeah. were two Quidditch groups. Uh, Quidditch groups I mean, with, with comic tents. conventions in Australia are very weird. Very weird. Very odd places. Yeah. I also like. I mean, just from the perspective of quite a short person, it's a very stressful experience. Just like I was massively overwhelmed and had to leave because just so many people packed into like a huge space, but it still felt. I still felt like I was being. It was trampled on by you, giant cosplayers. Your answer there is you should start wearing stilts and yeah. incorporate it as part of your costume. Oh, we'll see. That's a good point. Can it's I my own suggest fault. tall Harley Quinn? It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Harley Quinns. There was like, man, there was some great cosplay though. I know, but weekend. it was just alarming to see how many like girls under 15 chose to do the Suicide Squad version of Harley Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. There weren't as many jokers as I was expecting. No, I did see a couple of the um, damaged, tattooed, faced... Jokers. The most common, there were a lot of Deadpools a lot and a lot of, of Harley Quinns. And then lots of people that dressed up as characters from Fallout, the game. Oh. Yeah. That may be why re- I didn't recognize really, really a lot elaborate, of people. like weird Fallout costumes. Yeah. Also, Oz Comic Con is not the place. If you have a big costume, it's not like there were these dudes walking around um, in like, I don't know, like, I don't know what they were supposed to be, but they had like giant um, stormtrooper heads. Oh, like, yeah. Massive yeah, yeah. ones. And they were just. Huge. They were just in the way, fellas. <laughs> in the I'm goddamn sorry. way, guys. Um, but there was some, like, I think my favorite one was, there was a girl I chatted to um, who was dressed as the Kate Bishop Hawkeye. In, awesome. Like, really, really spot on, accurate costume. That yeah, there, really I mean, yeah, when, when people do actually dress up as comic book characters, it's great. We saw a great Scarlet Witch. We saw yep. a great Storm. Good Iron Fist. Yeah. Yes, there's a great Iron Fist. Um, we took photos of some good ones. Did you put them on the King's Comics no, Facebook page yet? Cool. They'll All probably right. be up there by the time this goes up. You can find that facebook.com slash Kings Comics. Yep, that's the one. Nailed it. That's lucky you guys got that one. Yeah, phew, thank you. <laughs> You'd have to put AU at the end or something. I'll recover on the scores. Yeah, look, I mean, I, people are still going to go. This is always going to be an insanely popular event that's impossible to park at. Yeah. But I don't know. If, if there's ever an opportunity for, for someone to do a smaller kind of comics focused, I just want to like go into a big room where everyone is selling their old comics. Yeah, yeah. And Doesn't I wanna... that appeal to anyone else? And probably not. <laughs> come on, that sounds great. And also, like, I mean, uh, see, I, I feel like I'm just going to come across like a cranky 
person because it just Again. seems like the comic convention is just another thing that is not for me. But I wish that they'd spend a little bit, not that the guests they had weren't good and there were some awesome local um, creators and stuff like that, but it would be cool to see them putting a little bit more money behind getting comics guests Definitely. as opposed to getting some dude who was in whatever, like the Divergent series. I don't even know totally. who was there. Yeah. But you know, like the, it well, yeah, there should be, sh- there should be a big name comic book yeah. artist or writer there like I, that, that would be cool for me yeah. to get a few things signed totally. to try and you know chat with them for the show yeah. uh, or even like just like a you know a, a wealth of the kind of big Australian names like they should make a point of having Nicholas Scott on there Tom Taylor on there mm. it's good to see Tristan Jones on there yeah but um you know it should be it should be bigger and bigger than that was Tristan Jones no, Tristan was, yeah Tristan Jones was, was there. there cool yeah he was there um, um yeah yeah I don't know, br- oh, wow. Bring out one of Marvel's big writers. I'm sure they'd want to come out to Australia and actually, yeah, bring out someone who who has to write Captain Boomerang dialogue so they can see how Australians actually <laughs> yeah, want to actually talk. It's research, guys. <laughs> I'm sure it's tax deductible. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're probably going to go along next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah Obviously, I, yeah. obviously, we'll still go because it's all we've got. <laughs> um, we are going to be fo- featuring um, the graphic festival, which was just announced today. Mm. Um, their full lineup includes uh, Matt Groening from The Simpsons of Futurama is coming out, and uh, very excitingly, Brandon Graham, oh. who we rave about every other week, one of Siobhan's favorite creators, is coming I'm so out. So excited! So we're going to try and get him on the show as well. It's pretty exciting, and we're going to do an episode coming up very soon with the uh, curators of Graphic Festival, mm. which will be really fun. Apparently, I want something. I want something like in between Oz Comic Con and Graphic. Like I want the panels of graphic but the rummaging through old okay, long boxes of other people's store a temporary <laughs> bar in the king's comic warehouse oh my god which i've only heard rumors of but I, <laughs> let me slightly tipsy in the king's comic warehouse <laughs> rifle through all those long boxes see what i can find that, you, that is a good night out <laughs> that is that is like a fortnight's worth of night outs you don't understand how, how much is, is it? in it can we do it can we do a serious issues tour <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Jim, Jim just told us. Jim from King's Comics tells us it's, it's like the final scene of Raiders from Lost Ark. It's really, it's terrifying. I can't wait. That's in Solar Bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. Small bar license is very, very easy to get now that Clover's uh, got another four, four ah, years. Yes. Shouts to local politics. <laughs> Let's get on with the show. You are listening to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast, and we begin every issue, every episode <laughs> of our uh, of our show, but with a with a little segment called First Things First, in which we review the new number one issues that came out this week. We've got about 10 to talk about. And you know how I said this is the best week ever? Mm. None of these number one issues were the best. part of the best yeah. part. So um, I'll agree with that. Even though I said it was the best at the beginning, we're going to have to get through a little bit of negativity <laughs> before we get to the best part. Let's kick things off with DC's latest Rebirth book, and that is Cyborg Rebirth. Are you a cyborg fan, Siobhan? I really am. And it's because of my, Teen Titans, For my right? sins? Yeah, yeah. It's because of Teen Titans. Because I love that Marv Wolfman, George Perez era when um, Cyborg was just this unbelievably angsty character who was like, am I a man or a machine? The whole time, which was great. And he hated his dad. Um, and he had a lot of issues. But he was still really good with kids and went and helped down at the local like center and played ball with them and stuff and was a cool guy. That's why, I, that's why I love Cyborg. 30 years later, Cyborg is still trying to work out whether he is man or machine. <laughs> and that's what the entire issue was about. Um, so written the, I mean, written by is... John Semper Jr. And art by Paul Pelletier. Mm. So this is like the rebirth issue. So this is more like, I think part of the reason that it's kind of not the best is because it is recapping who Cyborg is and what his whole deal is and what his powers are. And Where's the shots his... of him playing football? <laughs> yeah. Th- yeah. <laughs> isn't is that, he isn't no that longer... essential for, for a uh, Cyborg origin story? Yeah. There's only like one bit of him like 
in a in a uniform, in a football uniform, to imply that he was an athlete. So the weirdest part of this issue is that we saw Cyborg's origin story crammed into a sixty second YouTube clip in Batman v Superman mm. earlier in the year, and uh, even though it was completely terrible, it shows that you can do his origin story in one minute pretty faithfully. Mm. Um, so it's we not, get it's not the hardest origin story of all time. We get flashbacks to his origin um, in between scenes of. Uh, him trying to take down a big uh, robot that's trying to infiltrate Star Labs. And um, he finds out that his father does not think that Cyborg is... Uh, is He thinks he's more machine than man, possibly like a, a clone of, 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 who the, of who his son once was. Mm. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I couldn't be bothered reading. Oh, you know, we should, we should give him one more chance. Yeah, You're I'm right. going to read the first issue. I think, I think part of the problem is that this version of Cyborg doesn't really have a personality yet. Like, there's nothing that interesting about Victor Stone, the man. Mm. Um, He's just like as, a, a very stone-cold kind of calculated kind of guy that, that is, is mach- mechanical. But I don't yeah, know, yeah, and occasionally is like, yeah, I'm hacking all your stuff. Yeah. Something, something, blah, blah, blah. It's not... It's, something yeah. computery. Something computers, hell yeah. Um, which is kind of... Lame. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You're right. Rebirth issues are not to be trusted. Although it has to be said, though, that like when we when Rebirth started twelve years ago, <laughs> um, those first books were you know we we got them in clumps and they were all generally pretty good. Mm. Um, now we're getting one Rebirth title a month, and we haven't really enjoyed that many of the Rebirth titles. You know, we didn't really like Deathstroke. We didn't really like Suicide Squad. I wasn't mm. super keen on Cyborg. There's maybe six more coming before the end of the year. We've got, there's like Teen, teen Titans yep, rebirth teen Titans is coming. Is Super Sons, I'm still psyched about that. I don't know if that gets a rebirth book or they just get another uh, one issue, but right. I think there's a couple more rebirth books coming. I don't know. Are they, are they leaving the worst till last? Cause yes. Like, when, when New <laughs> 52 started, they would kind of throw a bunch of the crap comics in with the pretty good ones. Mm. Mm. I, def- I kind of wish they just did it in like a big clump. I don't know about this, like really, really spreading yeah, it out like as much really, as they can. Yeah, I agree. One cool thing, though, that makes me a little bit like, ooh, this could be interesting, is um, the last couple of pages set up what the actual next story arc is going to be about. And it looks like there's some kind of horrifying computer program, half-man machine version of Cyborg. Is it uh, is that Cyborg it's, or his like, dad? Oh, uh, Yeah, his dad. It looks like Sorry. his dad, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like... A weird clone version of his dad, but it's bringing together all of the slightly weird half man, half machine characters in the DCU. So there's like, you can see the Metal Man, you can see, see Red, Red Tornado. Tornado, you can see that monkey's um, robot brain. Yeah, what's his the name? The brain. Again? I think he's just called the brain. What's he? the monkey's name? Oh, um, Monsieur Mala <laughs> <laughs> and Steel, and um, yeah. So, oh, Robot Man. Yeah, there's Cyborg, heaps of cool Superman, guys here. So that could be cool. Yeah, sure. Robots you know? are great. Yeah, I love robots. I love robots. Just do a DC book called Robots. I'll read that. Yeah, yeah. And then do one called Monkeys. (laughs) About all the monkey DC characters. That'd be great. I mean, this is what I want. (laughs) Let us pitch. Give us our own imprint. You give Gerard Way one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Should we stick with DC and read uh, Supergirl? Yes, Supergirl number one. We read the Rebirth issue. We thought it was okay, if not a little Mm. confusing. It's written by Steve Orlando. And um, art is by... Someone who has pencils and ink and is written somewhere in this book that I'm reading right now. Why is it not at the beginning? Uh, Brian Ching. Brian Ching with colors by Michael Attier. On the last fucking page. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Supergirl is... uh, 
it almost feels like a complete relaunch. Um, yeah. To be more in line with the TV show, which is somewhat successful. Yep. Um, you have uh, Kara um, Zorel, mm-hmm. who is, um, you know, it's still the same origin story, except now she, uh, her, you know, she has a brown hair when she's in her yep. um, secret identity and she's trying to be a, a, a school person. Mm-hmm. But she, I like there was a, there's a struggle here where she was at the top of her class when she back on... Um, uh, fucking Krypton. Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> Back on Krypton, uh, she was at the top of her science class and, you know, was a little kid genius. But now Earth technology is so primitive that she everyone thinks she's an idiot at school. I like that. I like that. I, as that, a, that I think really that's a really good. funny touch. And, like, um, developing her sort of secret identity as well is cool. And yes, like definitely. the difference between Supergirl and Kara. But she has foster parents and also she has um, the blade which is the DEO, whatever, the, this, you mm-hmm. know, Department of Extra Normal Operations mm-hmm. who monitor everything that Supergirl does and she has to ask them for, for permission before, get their approval before she goes out on a mission. I found that really just, like, boring. I don't, want, I don't really want that. I want a, a, just Supergirl, just doing Supergirl stuff and then doing Schoolgirl stuff. Yeah, but see, I feel like the, the, the way they're kind of setting it up is so that it is, it is a little bit kind of... Um, procedural esque like sure which which uh which I'm into like I think that works for this character in this kind of world and I like that you know I like that she has her fortress of fortress of solitude now and yeah that like vibe that kind of worked with um Steve Orlando's Midnighter run mm-hmm. where he kind of had to talk to the, the he had higher ups that he t- talked to and he also talked with Spiral who Dick Grayson was a part of as yep. well he writes procedural stuff you know organizations pretty well so mm. but yeah I'm gonna stick with this for a couple more issues. Still hasn't completely grabbed me yet, but I, 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 it, it was good. Mm. Also, second uh, DC rebirth with uh, Cyborg Superman on the final page. Hey, yeah. bring back Hank Henshaw. Do we like him? Is he good? I like. I, I like just remember him as just this constant annoying threat in in books that I would pick up, and I didn't really know his backstory. Yeah, well, because he's kind of like the, he was kind of like a um, like making fun of the Fantastic Four. He was also a scientist who went into space, but instead of um, coming back with awesome powers, he came back horribly disfigured right. and half su- half Superman android or something. Great, great origin story. He went to like a Superman planet or something. I don't really, I don't really even know. Let's talk about Skyborn number one, written and drawn by Frank Cho. Everyone's favorite. Sexist guy. <laughs> sexy old man, Frank Cho. <laughs> Everyone's favorite sexy old man. Great. <laughs> Because well, um, I quite like Frank Cho, so I, I feel quite like I like his work, and it is what it is, you know. Like it's cupcake, it's, it's it's cupcake, cheesecake, it's cheesecake, whatever. It's cupcake. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's um, it's very cakey. Um, he draws cool racks. Yeah, great pecs. Great pecs. Loves a monkey. Loves a dinosaur. Loves a bikini. Loves a bikini. Um, nothing wrong with that. There is quite a few things wrong with Skyborn, though. Um, okay, I only did not. The only thing I really didn't just really didn't like about this book is some of the stupid dialogue. Um, you have this like you have yeah. you have you can see him really really trying to create like a real badass heroine without making her sexy. Yeah, and he does a terrible job. And so <laughs> he make he just makes her like say really really lame dialogue. Like I, oh, I need to yeah. find yeah here we go. It's the worst bit. Um, that was the, that was the moment goes, where I went. You know what? This I don't think this is for she me. She says, "I know exactly who you are. You're a Mitch." And then the guy she's talking to says, "Mitch." A man bitch. Now hand over the sword. And she says it again later on as if that was cool. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. That was really the only part that I didn't like about it. I like it when she chops the guy's head in half with her hand. I swear I've seen that exact same panel in Invincible. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no new ideas. This is a very gory comic for Frank Show, which I was mm. not expecting. 
um, but I do like comic book gore, so that part was appealing. Yeah. Uh, this is suddenly an, uh, a comic about Excalibur, which yeah. I was not, not, not seeing at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I only I only sort of knew that because Jim ruined it for me Shots and told to me it was Arthurian before I'd even started. So I had no, I had no idea. I didn't even read the bit at the beginning, which says that they're all yeah. Why would you read the, the children of Lazarus? Why would you read the beginning of, of like you know the, the the recap page on our first issue of something yeah. that never existed before? And also confusing because that doesn't come across at any point in the comic. You should probably have included that in the actual comic print show. Also, that's. Uh, like comic book gore is fine and everything, but that in the injury that the um, female character gets at the beginning is for any woman just very. It's the first one that's made me be really like, oh, yeah, she, she, that's horrible. She, she, she spoiler scared. alert: this this badass female character cops a sword, but right? The, and I hate that sudden like I'm about to do something badass. Oh, there's a big sword in me yeah. now. Whoa, yeah, it's a big definite definite trope. But uh, then when she they gets cut away, right through the boob, right through the boob. It looks like, real gnarly, right, like middle of boob. <laughs> looks painful. <laughs> I'm going to stick with this. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I'm going to stick with this. It was like, it's one of those books that I kind of love and it comes out because you can read it in two minutes. <laughs> and I hate that that's become like, this was what makes a good book, a good, a comic good. Yeah, totally. A two minute read. I loved it. <laughs> um, let's move over to Aftershock now. Um, they put out a new number one. Aftershock have been putting out some great comics recently. Yeah. We forgot to uh, read issue two of um, Captain Kidd. By oh, Mark really? Wade. I'm going to find that one. Terrible. Um, this one is by um, Paul Jenkins with art by Layla Lears. Who it's I've never heard of before, but I really like. Well, Paul Jenkins I know quite well. I know Paul Jenkins. He's written yeah. one of my favorite Marvel comic books in uh, the Inhumans run that he did with Jay Lee mm-hmm. in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And also two so of my good. least favorite Marvel books, Wolverine Origin and um, that horrible... Who is the stupid um, character that Bendis brought back, but then he made it look like he'd been around this whole time? And he was really... The Century. Oh, Century. He did like the Century origin book, uh. which is bullshit too. Mm, um, and he also did um, uh, one of my... Probably my favorite overall run of Hellblazer, hmm. which is uh, wow. highly recommended by me. Um, this book has seen a little bit of controversy. Yes. Um, so the... Uh, it's it's kind of like a, a weird take on like I guess like X Men, basically like a, a bunch of characters start developing superpowers and they're mm-hmm. called they're known as alters, A L T E R, not A L T A R. That's only just a bunch of like church lectins. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, this follows um, a new alter, and um, his name is Charlie, but he is uh, slowly transitioning. Yes, and um, he has he wants to become Chalice, um, a female superhero. They're probably. I mean, we were just laughing about it being alters, but this she does does also have a cross over her eye when she is in costume. So maybe there is some kind of religious <laughs> Weird, religious thing. Religious reference. Uh, so Paul Jenkins is definitely not someone who has any direct uh, experience as a transgender. No person, um, but uh, I think like. So the, the the we recently spoke about a comic called Kim, Kim and Kim, mm-hmm. which is uh, was written by um, a trans writer mm-hmm. and uh, featured uh, two girls, one of which was cha- trans, um, kind of bounty hunters uh, in space, um, and it was a really fun book. Mm-hmm. We really liked it. Uh, this is uh, so she she's come out the writer of that and said that you know someone like Paul Jenkins, it's th- she wasn't outright saying you know if you aren't transgender uh, you can't write transgender characters. She was saying that like this book is all about the struggle of, of, of what it is to be trans yeah. and that's not Paul Jenkinson's, it's, he doesn't have a right to tell that story. 
because he does not he doesn't know the struggle. And also the bigger point of this is that I know this is just a first issue, and you can't. It's you know it's hard to kind of build a world and also explain too much about a character. But after reading this, all you can say is that um, it's his it's his well it's Charlie's key character trait is that he's transgender he trans- transgender yeah she she's transgender transgender and and she's a superhero yeah um which but, isn't it, like uh, it's, uh, it's very similar to the sort of cyborg thing where all we know about him is that he is a cyborg and he is a superhero yeah you know there's, so, there's more i mean i'm not and i don't think the author of kim and kim is saying that that you know people who aren't trans or aren't a minority can write characters that are transgender or, or different minorities i think they're just saying that like you know there are you either write them as a full character where like they happen to be transgender and, and there's that they're a rich character or aside from that mm. or you know you, you i don't know you just don't try and tell the struggle yeah. how, like I, you've seen this this is a story that's already been told by transgender people and it's it shouldn't be like when they introduced kevin keller who was you know the first gay character in riverdale the way they introduced him wasn't by making him coming out the key part of the story. It wasn't about him, um, like him being gay wasn't the focus. It wasn't his sort of character arc. He came and he was like, oh, well, I'm gay, I'm out. And everyone just went, oh, okay, that's cool. And then Jughead used it to play a funny trick on Veronica. Great. Mm. I think that was a really great example of how to handle that sort of thing. Um, I, I I really didn't, I didn't dislike this book, you know, like no, I it, think it's that, a really fun, fun book to read. Yeah. It's very easy to, to get through, and and like for some, it, like there is an importance of books like this because they can be people who, you know, young have not had any, um, any, any like encounters with with yeah. transgender people. It is important for them to read stories like this because it, you know, it, it gives them experience reading characters like this Absolutely. and accepting that these these kind of characters are in our society. But, and there is also like there is an element to which. Um, and please feel free to send me an email if I say anything like incorrect or um, thoughtless. But there is an element to which superhero books have always been about the experience of the outsider or the person who feels other. You know, like Superman was created by Jewish, um, you know, yeah, Jewish immigrants yep. who weren't able to be open about the fact that they were Jewish because of various anti-Semitic things in the time. And so it was kind of about hiding your s- secret power. Um, and so I understand why this kind of it, it seems like a great a great way to express that story using the genre. Um, but I can also understand why it would be yeah, you don't want it to be the focus. I thought that there was some really like I like I hope that they build up the character of Charlie more mm-hmm. um, because I thought that his family already was quite cool. You don't see many people with intellectual disabilities in comics. Um, I personally, my younger brother has an intellectual disability, so I always really enjoy it when, you know, like I loved the um, uh, the Ghost Rider mm. book because a lot of it was about his relationship with his younger brother, which I identified with very strongly. And, um, I, and I like that, you know, Char- uh, Charlie's character in this has a brother with cerebral palsy exactly. in this. And I thought that was done quite well too. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's showing it's showing a more realistic, you know, version of what family is and what sort of identity is maybe in the twenty first century. Um, but I can also appreciate the the issues that people have with it. But I thought it was a strong first issue. Yeah, me too. Know? And and it was good to read something by Paul Jenkins that I actually enjoyed writing. And you know, I think if he addresses the 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 um you know the, this article that's been written, which we'll post on our on our Facebook wall. Um, I think I think you know it, 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 moving forward, it's it's a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. I sorry. I've been quite distracted while we're talking about this really important stuff <laughs> because I just noticed on the f- on the first page of this comic, 
Alters number one that we're talking about right now. Oh, wow. The first panel, um, I put out a cookbook like five <laughs> years ago. And so she goes to a diner and the diner logo is the same logo as my cookbook. Oh my God, you should definitely sue Paul Jenkins. <laughs> it's pretty like nondescript, uh, you know. Just diner, like diner, diner font, but like I'm gonna put this on our Facebook wall too. I was wondering why you were googling pictures of your own book. book. Like, oh god, this narcissist <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll put that up on our wall now. We'll let you decide. I think I think the main thing from this book is that, that uh, um, people should not steal my cookbook. People should not like steal from Levens, but also just more more of this, more diversity. You know, more um, diverse writers, more diverse characters, more please. Yes, thank you. Please. Yeah, but also like I don't know. More and better. I, I feel like yeah. I've, People should definitely. I, I feel terrible. I should look up who, who the author who wrote Kim and Kim is because I was oh, I had reading her story before. earlier today. Um, Magdalene Visaggio, mm-hmm. like she should have more of a absolutely a voice in, in the comic book world, and and hopefully this you know this incident can give her a bigger one. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, I'm still going to read issue two of Alters. Same. And I'm really enjoying Aftershock's like output at the moment. What, yeah. If anyone listen, from Aftershock is listening, you should hire. Magdalene Visaggio to do a book. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. <laughs> um, let's talk about Glitterbomb, which is a new number one from Image Books this week, written by Jim Zub and um, art by uh, uh, Jilbril Morissette Fan. Who has a very, like, Sean Murphy vibe, right? Definitely, 100%. I really like it. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, an old comic book trope that was being spoken about a lot on the internet this week where you start with a really, really, oh my God moment and then you go back mm-hmm. and you show the events that led to that moment. Mm. Um, always good fun. Always good fun as like, you know, something to grab you. Um, it is a trope yes. for sure. <laughs> and and it's a trope that we've seen countless times. I don't hate it. So no, no, I, no. I, I me neither. I don't really see what the big uproar is like about that. it. Um, so this is about a, uh, a struggling actor in Hollywood. Um, she's, you know, possibly past her prime Mm -hmm. and uh she's having a really shit day trying to go to crappy auditions um and uh she decides fuck it after not getting this audition i'm gonna go to the beach and drown but then when she tries to drown herself she ends up getting like taken over by a creepy octopus tentacle monster with with like telepathic psychic powers something like that well she can hear its voice in her brain anyway when she emerges from the water she now has this like crazy monster inside of her and she has potential superhero superhuman powers and reflex skills um and uh yeah in, in the opening scene of this comic we see her use her horrific new powers to skewer the face of uh of her, her crappy agent um, it's a very gross power yes i like, like a, it her, her tongue has like a big tendril (laughs) it reminds me of uh you know it reminds me of something very specific that i don't think anyone else will have seen did you ever watch big train this comedy sketch show there was a sketch once where simon Pegg is meeting his adoptive mother for the first time and she's like this really gross little lady and she has a really long tongue comes out and strokes him on the face anyway cool story um that's what this is like good show we should do a big train podcast i loved big train that's when we're like um Fat hand, you fat hand. Yeah, you <laughs> fat-handed twat. <laughs> Real good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is one of these books that, like, I don't think belongs on Image. This, yeah, it's me, a weird one, right? This one for me, like, felt a lot more like a like an aftershock book or a dark or a horse book or a boom book. Yeah, um, but uh, I don't know. Are you, are you gonna stick around with this one? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, everyone, everyone. Like- Kings really didn't like it. Both yeah, Wayne and, so, and Talia were like really anti it. I thought it was fine. Yeah, me too. I finished it and I was like, I might read the next one. Yeah, like, I think it's not bad at all. I mean, I think it's again like 
I'm, I'm so surprised that Jim Zub is the person who is writing a comic about a middle-aged woman, um, and that's always interesting. But I, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty compelling, and the art's super nice. Yeah, and I want to see what happens. I want to see her skewer more people with her disgusting four-pronged tongue. Great. <laughs> see you next issue, glitter bomb. <laughs> um, we've been given a few top cow number ones over the last month or two, and I have not really liked any of them. But no. we got one this week called Eclipse by Zach Kaplan and Giovanni Timpano. And I really liked it. Yeah, this was a very cool book. Very um, cool sort of super near future sci-fi. So in the future, um, there is a massive solar flare and it kills billions of people on the mm-hmm. earth. And so we become nocturnal. You're only allowed out at night. And then the police ensure everyone is inside by curfew. We live underground because the sun is now way too hot and humans get all burnt up in the sun. There is a... Uh, killer on the loose who is killing people by leaving them out in the sun and letting them roast up um, at one point the killer um, traps a bunch of people in, in from, who are like at a nightclub in the daytime they have to evacuate the nightclub and then while they're in like hiding in the shadows he then drives in like a big mirrored truck and shines mm. and shines the mirrored sunlight into the alley that they're hiding in and they all get fried up it's like it's cool proper murder. scary yeah. It? Yeah, yeah. It was, I love I love like a procedural like detective story set in like totally. sci-fi that's yeah. so fun that's such a fun like fun combination and this was like sci-fi in that like you know something terrible happened to the earth it wasn't mm. demons it wasn't aliens it was at least i hope it isn't yeah no. i like that it's just like this scientific like you know horrific disaster has yeah. happened and this is how society is now totally and there's heaps of crime underground and all this kind of stuff it's a really really great world and and a really successful first issue mm. in that they they tell you the rules of this world really well you're introduced to two or three pretty important characters and you kind of know what they're all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably my biggest surprise of the week. I, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this book and my favourite first issue that I've read in a couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely the best first issue of the week. I thought it was good fun. Eclipse number one by Zach Kaplan. You should add this one to your pull list, guys. Absolutely. Do it, guys. We're going to tell people to do that. Yeah. So the comics that we love don't get sent to the glue factory. <laughs> Oh, here is one that I could not wait to review. Oh, my God. Boo, the world's cutest dog number one. Finally, he has his first issue. And here we are reviewing it on the world's cutest podcast. Along with... (laughs) Can we please call ourselves that? Okay, this this, this episode is called the world's cutest podcast. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, joining Grumpy Cat and Angry Birds with comics that I didn't think we needed. Does Dynamite put out all three of those? Uh, They definitely put out Grumpy Cat. Uh, Boo is like a, he's just like an Instagram sensation. Yeah, right? it's just a little, it's a little dog. He's not even the best internet dog. We all know that's Marnie. Who's Marnie? The one with the sticky out tongue and the wonky eye. Oh, uh, what about the I'm really cute Shiba Inu? No, nah. it's a really good Japanese. No, I don't like ones. Like I don't like ones that look correct. Well, look, I'm just saying more <laughs> real dogs deserve comic books. <laughs> <laughs> um, Boo the World's Cutest Dog It's an anthology of stories about a dog Who's famous on the internet who looks cute Yeah. Um, the first story That sounds like your kind of thing yeah, The first story is really sweet It's by um, Kristen Deacon and Audrey Elizabeth <laughs> Oh that, he is very cute Marnie So what's his name? Marnie the Dog Marnie right, the give, dog. Hashtag give Marnie the Dog his own series yeah. um, Boo and the Birthday Bash Is the first story in this book And it's cool because this is told from the point of view Of Boo's owner who throws a birthday party and um, gets Boo 
and like Boo wears a cute little outfit and then everyone comes around to, for a birthday party but no one wants to play with her or do any of the birthday activities because there's a really cute dog. But then this cute dog also has a heart of gold. Ah. So he, when she starts crying because she's angry, he brings a big cake over in a wagon and he's like, thanks, Boo, you're the best. That that story was actually really sweet. Yeah. Then the rest of these quotes, and I hate that I'm going into, de- into detail on this. <laughs> yeah, you this really, does, you really not read a lot of this. <laughs> the rest of the stories in this book, um, one, they're not drawn anywhere near as cutely as um, the yard in here by uh, Tony Fleeks in this first story. He also did the cover, I think. Yeah, rank um, each story on cuteness. Um, number one, it's pretty much because one, two, three. Yeah. Uh, the, the next ones are actually, they give they give Boo and his other um, d- uh, canine pals voices. Mm-hmm. So they talk in this and it's really crap. It's like one of them is like their owner's sick. So they like try to um, find food and it's like them getting up to antics in the kitchen and knocking a bunch of plates over and oh no what happens when the owner wakes up oh she fed them anyway isn't that nice it's all fine then the final one this this bizarre story where um boo goes for an audition and um doesn't want to get the part because the part means that he has to go to hollywood for six months and he doesn't want to be away from his pals i'm confused by this because there are no humans here so is this an audition run by dogs for dogs uh no no, it's like muppet babies you just see their feet Ah, and i assume they're going um yeah, and then his friends decide that they, they're going to be like a stunt double and uh, and security guard so they can all go to Hollywood together. Ah, there's a lot of flaws there. Yeah. A lot of plot holes. But the first, the, I, really, I thought that the first story was actually really cute. So I'm, I'm not going to read any more of these unless I see the same creative team. Tony Fleeks is definitely the best artist in this book. Yeah. Um, but Look, probably, if you want, if you want comics about cute animals getting up to mischief, like, I, mean, I you, recommend Cheese Sweet comic, Home. <laughs> if you've heard of this comic, chances are you, it's for you. Yeah, Lynn, <laughs> Lynn was ex- Lynn at King's Comics, one of our employees, was so excited about Boo, the world's cutest dog, and I think that this comic was just for her, and that's it, and no one else, <laughs> and that's the only person. This one's not for us; it's for Lynn. But yeah, check out Cheese Sweet Home. It's a manga about a cute cat. And it's actually brilliant. Okay. <laughs> um, Dynamite also put out another number one this week called The Great Divide, which was kind of similar to Eclipse in that it's a uh, post-apocalyptic, a whole bunch of shit, bad shit's happened to the earth. But and it's really a weird like scientific... adult because there's heaps more boobs in this yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you said you kind of liked this, I right? I kind of liked well, yeah, it. I thought, this was like a real, real, real tough one for me to read. So thought, yeah. the, the problem faced by this... Um, Faced by this this like version of our Earth is whenever you make skin tone contact with someone, mm-hmm. you explode. Like your the other person your, explodes. The other person explodes. But wait, that's very confusing because who touches? Like how does that how does that work? But I like that made me laugh. I thought that was funny. Living in a world where if you touch someone, they would explode. But you don't. I don't understand. Yeah, it's a very like. There's a lot of flaws here. Yeah, Ben um, Fisher. So yeah, it's who it's by. It's by Ben Fisher. But the first scene is in like Adam a Markiewicz. nude bar for no reason. Like there's no, there's absolutely no reason Roadkill or need saloon. for there to be tits in this. And then, but there are. Well, I mean, it's I guess it's to kind of set up that it is quite a seedy world. Yeah. And that like you know, people, especially men, really miss you know seeing women naked. Yeah. And and and, and the touch of a female companion. Um, and so you have to spend all your creds to see a girl take her top off in a on the eighth floor of a hotel. Mm. Um, also, like the most like popular form of like contraband on the streets is like old lad mags and vampirella comics. Yeah, this is the first um, first comic since I think Sex Criminals that's had that many vibrators in one panel. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, not um, as good as Fiona Staples' giant Robo Dick from Saga, though. That's very true. 
that's the uh, the robo dick that all robo dicks from this point forward will be compared to. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought the great divide like it's a kind of a cool idea, but I just <laughs> thought it was a bit too like edgy for the sake of being. Yeah, edgy. it definitely is. But I like the random panels, like because apparently if you explode someone, you then hear their voices in your brain after they've died, being like, "No, why'd you explode me?" or oh, something. God. And so there's a bunch of panels. I like that is one that what where that he's was? just touched a guy, and the guy's explode like his eyes are exploding out of his head, and the guy's just looking at the sky and screaming. It's amazing. Um, so if that sounds like your kind of thing. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I, as I said, I kind of liked it. I'm clearly like a teenage boy this week, so um, I'll, I'll read the next issue. Well, cool. Well, speaking of teenage boys, did you read The Aftermath, Big Clean, The Molen Brothers? No. What is that? It's uh, the latest comic from Heavy Metal that came out this <gasps> week, and it is like textbook what I would expect a Heavy Metal comic to look like. Oh, yeah. It looks like it is like Simon Bisley well, vibe. So he, he even says at the, at the end of this comic, the artist here says that he... um. Uh, was trying to pay homage to the painted work of um, Bill Sienkiewicz. I never Sienkiewicz? Sienkiewicz. Thank you, oh, Jim. You <laughs> um, Glenn Fabry, um, Beasley, yeah. all those guys. Um, and so that's what his artwork is, is absolutely that, that really grotesque kind of painted mm. stuff. This is about like aliens that come to visit and um, and judge the world except it's like this the history of this world is told via a roller coaster oh. in which like everyone at the end of this ride gets judged accordingly and like you know some of them are killed horribly and others kind of get thrown down into a big pit of poo cool <laughs> <laughs> sounds cool and apparently this is an ongoing story oh okay yeah it nice. was like i'd read it with like one eye kind of just rolled into the very back of my head and like it's it's yeah, it's just, you know, over the top kind yeah. of Yeah, I think uh, if you have mad nostalgia for like the nineties heavy metal vibe and Zappa. Bisley and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. If you love Zappa you'll probably love this comic. <laughs> yeah. Um The Aftermath Big Clean, The Molen Brothers. Nice. Can't believe it exists in twenty sixteen, but hey nothing should die. Some things should be around forever. Um, did you read? Did you read Ever After from the pages of Fables issue one? So I've never read Fables, as I uh, revealed mm. to a shocked serious issues mm. listeners last week, um, and I was worried that because I one day we'll we'll try and read that. I was worried yeah. that, that this would ruin some of it for me. Um, well, I think it would have been fairly like what the fuck's going on? Yeah, like right. Even for me, like I read almost all of Fables. I'm still. I still haven't quite finished. There's about um, 600 issues, right? Yeah, there's a lot of fables <laughs> out there. And there's also a lot of fables, um, like, crossover series. So there was Jack of Fables, and then they did the Cinderella stories, which is all about Cinderella being a um, super spy. So if you haven't, if you don't know what fables is, it's a long-running Vertigo series um, about One, what if yeah. the all the characters you know from fairy tales were real, and then they crossed over into our universe, and now they live secretly in New York. And it's cooler than that sounds. And the series is actually excellent. Um, and this it's is like Shrek. It's like it's like Shrek. It's like Shrek, and you just hear Smash Mouth playing in your head the whole time <laughs> while you're reading it. It's the best. Some, <laughs> um, but I f- I even found this quite confusing because obviously. They expect Fables fans to pick this up, but there were a couple of characters that they didn't quite, they weren't quite clear enough about who they were. So I was a little bit confused. I think if you're a mad Fables fan and you're missing that universe, pick it up. Otherwise, probably don't worry about it. There you go. That's the end of First Things First. Nice. All number one issues have been reviewed, which means it's time for our incredible segment, Beloved oh, yeah. by All. Flip a coin for DC or Marvel. 
Siobhan, is Marvel heads or tails? Um, Marvel is heads. And heads. All right. We're going right. to review Marvel first. We've got about six-ish Marvel. It's a bit of a quiet week for Marvel this mm, week. Yeah, not huge. What the hell is the next issue of Civil War? I want to complain about yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, actually. I feel like all of a sudden we haven't had any Civil War to complain about. So I had, uh, I had three issues from Marvel that came out this week that I really, really loved. Mm-hmm. And then I had a couple that I was fine about, whatever. Mm, so yeah. let's review the ones we'll that I loved. Nice. Moon Knight, number six, Jeff Lemire. And then an incredible art team mm. of uh, Wilfredo Torres, uh, Francesco Francavilla, and James Stoko. So at the end of uh, Moon Knight number five, in which we kind of would like set up this new world, um, we learned that um, the, the persona of Moon Knight, Mark Spector, he has all these different personalities. And he, at the moment, he is uh, his uh, a film producer, Stephen Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's who he is taking the mantle of at the moment. Um, but this story like jumps around with different art styles to take on his different personalities. And it's so much fun. So fun. Oh my God. Um, so whenever he, whenever he's basically he gets himself in these situations where he's, uh, Moon Knight doesn't really show up much in this, in this issue. It's yeah. all about Mark's different personalities. And, uh, he realizes that he's, you know, he's too. Stephen Grant is too soft for what next, what comes next. So you turn the page, and then suddenly it's a brand new art style. It's Francesca Francavilla doing like, like such beautiful seventies New York pulp kind yeah. of vibe. Um, and uh, he hits the streets as Jake Lockley, a taxi driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, when like kind of you, you, he comes back into into contact with someone from uh, from earlier in the run, and then. Uh, he said, it's, it's time for Moon Knight and opens up his car boot and he sees the Moon Knight costume in there and then suddenly he's Stephen Grant again and he's got to go to a ball which is hosted inside a, um, a lunatic asylum which is where we first saw Moon Knight at the start of this run um, and you see characters from, from, the, from the asylum back in this and um, he starts to kind of question why he's there, what's going on and then suddenly at the end it just we're in this insane like... Mecca... Yeah, like a Future. complete futuristic science fiction world where he is a literal moon knight. Yeah. Drawn by James Stoker. Like, who else could do this? Like, yeah. And it's so good. It's like, so good. What a fun issue. And what a fun, like, because I think we were both a little bit like, oh, I wonder where this is going to go after the first story arc. And it's gone, like, in the most insane direction, but it is just as good, if not better, than the issues that came before it. Yeah, Jeff Lemire is like, even though he, he he's pretty hit or miss because he does so much at the moment, yeah. when he hits, it's so goddamn so good. good. And then, I feel like this might be like one of his best series of all time. If, 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 it's, if it's as good as this mm. for the next couple issues, like I'm, I'm very excited for yeah. it. Yeah. Man, it makes me want Francesco Francovia to be doing more interiors though. I know, yeah. Oh. We had a good... He, he was doing... Uh, even though the story was shit house, he was doing... Um, he did a few issues of uh, Brian Bendis's Guardians of the Galaxy run for a oh, bit. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even read them. I mean, obviously, Afterlife with Archie as well. But, I mean, I, he, he definitely has some good ties with Marvel now. I know he's been pitching, like, a um, a Batman book set in the 70s for cool. ages. Like a exploitation kind of Batman book. That would be so cool. I would love that so much. And this is almost what that is. Yeah, like, I mean, know. I would want I would yeah. want him to do a story about driving a taxi. Yeah. Batman in could New York in the 70s. Great. Um, Looks great. But this book ends with, Let them come. We are ready. By dawn, the space wolves will take the moon. I'm, I'm all about that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I really, really love this. Um, you should definitely be reading Moon Knight. Agreed. Uh, Doctor Strange, 
Jason Aaron continues his run with uh, issue 11, um, but uh, regular Chris Pacello has taken a break from art, and instead we get Kevin Nowlin and, Nowlin and uh, Leonardo Romero, and I really, really loved their art on this, mm, and I same. kind of wish it was them doing it and not Chris Pacello. Is Chris Pacello coming back? I, I assume so. Because um, this is like, I think one of the criticisms that we both had of the Chris Pacello stuff is it can be quite difficult to read when he gets extra which is all the time yeah it, just as a story like it, the art's incredible but as a storyteller it's really hard to follow sometimes yeah. and uh this was so straightforward and awesome such a fun story like i like this sort of down and out version of um dr strange who doesn't really have that much magic and he has to use a baseball bat wrapped in enchanted barbed wire i wonder to... if that was a little tribute to walking dead oh the, maybe the seal um yeah, I, I thought this was a great issue and, and actually made me go like, even though I wasn't that crazy about what we've seen so far from Jason Aaron's Doctor mm. Strange run, it definitely set up something really, really wonderful. And just, you know, he took his sweet time getting there, but now we're here and I'm, 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 I'm glad for it. Absolutely. And we're getting some cool, it's um, flashing back to the beginning of Stephen Strange's career as well. So we're getting some sweet origin stuff in there as well, which is very cool. But like origin parts that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Which is great. Um, and also like, yeah, he's just like... Doctor Strange is now just like this insane person wielding a baseball bat through yeah. through the streets in New York, and like no one can no one can see the pe- the, the demons that he's actually trying to fight, but they just think he's a, a, a homeless person at one mm. point and start throwing money at him. And at the end, it's revealed that the next villain is Baron Mordo. Great, very cool, great stuff. I mean, uh, Bocello does the um, the cover for the next one. It looks okay. like so. I assume so he's uh, I assume he's back on it. Um, I don't know. Hopefully he reads this and is like, oh, that's how you tell a story. <laughs> um, Doctor Strange, you should still be reading it. It's yeah, really good. You should be reading good. everything Jason Aaron does, really. That's true. Uh, I really enjoyed, and th- I'm going to talk about this this deeper obsession that's that this comic has caused. Mm. Marvel Sum Sum number two, written by um, Jacob Chabot, with art by, uh, pencils by David Baldion, and uh, inks by Terry Pallet. Um this is about it's a kids comic um, where a bunch of like weird alien toys come to Earth and then take the form of Avengers or Marvel villains, and um, now the kids don't know what to do with them. But a bad guy has uh, has stolen one of them and, and he's training him to be bad. Um, so at one point he takes on the, the, the this alien toy takes on like the appearance of Ultron and Loki and the Rhino and Venom and Green Goblin, and they try also and rob make a bank. More of himself. Yeah, um, and. Uh, Ant-Man, the actual Ant-Man, steps in to try and stop them from robbing the, robbing the bank, but he gets overpowered by the toys. Um, this is exactly what we set up when we reviewed issue one, which we also really liked. This is exactly what everyone was worried about when uh, when yeah. Disney got the Marvel license, like, you know, these toy versions of all your beloved characters, blah, blah, blah. And now this is here, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, do more of this. So Sums are these cute little toys that can stack on each other. And... Um, the first issue of this came out. I, I've, I've been to Disneyland a couple times over the last few years and they're everywhere, especially in Japan. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh, these things are kind of cute. Whatever. I didn't buy one. I bought the alien one for my son for Christmas last year, but I've left it at that. Alien is in like... The Toy Story alien. Oh. Well, not the fucking... No, like- no, yeah. Not, not, not the queen alien <laughs> I was aliens. like, is that a, is that a thing? Yeah, it's I a would face hugger. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, this issue came out, the first issue, and then the next week, Kings got in these cute little toy versions of the Marvel Sums mm-hmm. that came on mystery bags and I got all 12. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I found out that there is a, uh, a Sum Sum app. There are two. There's a- 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Marvel Simpson app and a regular Disney Simpson app. And I am addicted to both of them. Oh, my God. And I'm spending way too much time playing this ridiculously fun puzzle game. Just abandon your children. Oh, no. I, I let them play. With, I bought. It, I downloaded it for Archie. <laughs> I actually, and, 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 and I play it for the most part while I'm nursing one-month-old oh. Matilda. Oh. Trying to nursing her to bed. Swim nice. in one hand, baby in the other. Life Dad life. Be better. Um, so yeah. I've, been, I've been too burnt before by um, blind-boxed figures. I spent too much money on a series of alien Kubricks back in the day. <laughs> Kubricks are and terrible. I've never... they nah, they're cool. Like oh, look, they're all the same shape. Who cares? Yeah, but I wanted Ripley. <laughs> yeah, but if you learn how to paint, you could just make every Kubrick you wanted. Could, isn't that the same as Sumsums? No. They're like, they're just little beanie guys. Uh, some of them are, no, like these little plastic toys, I think for the price point, they were like, that's yeah. that's spot on. They are very, they are very adorable and collectible. And it's just because I can't allow myself to do that because then I will be broke forever. Yeah. And also I got all the good ones first. Ha <laughs> <laughs> um, So Marvel Simpson number two, discontinued the story from the first one in a really cute way. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we got, great for I, kids. we got Ant-Man in here. It's great for kids. But it's also great for me. Yeah. <laughs> and you. Read it with your child. It's, um, there's yeah. like little activities, coloring in stuff. I love that. And it looks like the, uh, the collector is going to return to earth to try and steal his Sums back in Amazing. the next issue. Which is really fun. I don't yeah. know. I this is really great. And it's a good way of introducing the Marvel Universe to someone younger. Yeah, absolutely. Silk number 12. What the fuck happened to this guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, Silk goes to the negative zone, obviously. But it's not just the negative zone, because inside the negative zone is an episode of Game of Thrones in which Silk's parents are trapped. Oh, yeah. It's suddenly like, a, like, like Silk and her friends, who don't have superpowers... Yes. Um, but Silk has the power to weave medieval clothes now with her fingers. She, she was always... She weaved her own um, costume. She, that's always been... That's canon. Is it? Yeah, okay, sure. Um, but then they, they have to thwart a dragon and w- with the help of a talking dragon. So it's one of their dragons in the negative yeah, zone. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know that much about the negative zone. Um, I, but I, I was down. <laughs> re- negative zone is like Reed Richards just shoves whatever is dangerous in there, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's where you'd put dragons if you had them. Surely. Sure. Um, um, so 
it, Silk. This is about Silk trying to find her parents because she was locked in a bunker for 10 years and her parents have disappeared off the face of the earth. And so she's trying to track them down. And that has led her to the negative zone. And she's brought her two best friends with her after opening up to them and revealing that she was Silk in the last issue for, I guess, moral support. Sure. Or just, you know, just friend endangerment. Yeah. Every superhero's favorite hobby. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just, I don't know, this, I just read this and I was like, I don't want to read this book anymore. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, this isn't the best, um, this isn't the best arc that Silk has had. But it I feels, like, the art, like it feels like a really crucial to her character arc in that she's finding out where her parents are and what they've been doing. And Yeah, yeah. We see a reunion in this. I mean, there's another beautiful reunion that we're going to talk about this week between parents. Um, but uh, this was, uh, as, as a sappy dad, this, this book did nothing for me. Is it because it was about a mum and daughter? No, mum and daughter things it's very important too. Um, I liked it. I still think Silk is cool. Um, I'm still going to read it. Okay, good for you. Nice. All new, different, all new, all different Avengers number fourteen by uh, Mark Wade and Jeremy Whitley. So a, a, a co-writer on this mm. one, and um, art by Adam Cubitt. Um, this uh, continues the story of the new Wasp. Nadia, um, and uh, she is the illegitimate daughter of uh, Hank Pym. Hank Pym, and uh, and and also what's her name? No, because Janet wasp? refers to herself as her stepmom or something. Oh, like okay, that. right, just, sure. Uh, yeah, so this is like uh, she. I, 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 I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of tying into Civil War and Nadia being all like, but they're the good guys. They're supposed to have moral, yeah. like, whatever. I'm sad that they're not correct all of the time and that they're fighting and it's just Janet helping her get through this difficult emotional time. So, yeah, whatever. Tie-ins can be the pits, you yeah. guys. But um, I feel like they're, they're, gonna, they're making this new Wasp some kind of big deal. Well, yeah, she's getting she's her own showing comic. up in stuff. She's getting her own comic, and right? And who's, who's on that comic? Uh, I don't know. I, um, I feel like it was a cool team. Uh, Elsa Charretier is um is going to be the art artist, yeah. the arter. The art. <laughs> She's going to be doing the arting, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I, I guess it's cool. That, I, I thought this was should be a great person to put in Champions, the Mark Wade book about young mm. young superheroes splitting from the Avengers. Um, oh yeah, I don't know this creative team at all. Jeremy Whitley. Oh, he co-wrote this issue. Right, so right, there right. you go. Um, I don't know. If if you care about this new Wasp character, care about that book when it comes out. Mm. And we might too. Yeah. Poe Dameron, number six oh, by sorry, Charles Sorry, the, the, the preview for the new Wasp series says, nothing's more unstoppable than a teenage girl. Um, really? Tell that to the Juggernaut. <laughs> juggernaut was once a teenage <laughs> girl too. Yeah. Um, Poe Dameron, number six by Charles Sewell and Phil Noto. Mm-hmm. Uh, continued the story of uh, them escaping the prison planet. Um, and uh, they do so by turning the the gravity off, so that they're stuck on a planet with uh, ten times the gravity of uh, Earth, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, in doing, th- and then they put on their like gravity packs, which allows them to not be affected by it. And so everyone gets pinned to the ground as they make their escape. Yep. And then a rocket shoots through a space station. Whoa! This is fun. Like a spear. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun Star Warsy stuff. Um, it looks like um, yeah, we we get the return of um. Of Leia to this story, mm-hmm. and um, it seems like that that she's about to send him on his uh, mission that we in- that get her introduced Poe to. Well, sorry, that was a terrible sentence. <laughs> it seems that Leia's about to uh, send Poe on the mission that we see him uh, on at the start of The Force Awakens, but then she says, but first you should go and do this. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go see a couple of issues of that happening before yeah. we catch up with the movie. I'm into that. 
I think it's a fine comic. I was really not about it for a while, and now I, I'm fine about it. There's yeah. no there's no dragons and eggs and stuff anymore, so that's fine. Yeah, and I also feel like I feel like Phil Noto is getting better and better at action as he goes on. Oh yeah, no, the, the, the art in this is is awesome, and some pretty good BB-8 action in this too. Yeah. Um, at one point he fires like a like he's like metal strap, like he fires like a. I don't know what you'd call it, like a grappling hook out mm. of his body into a much bigger droid. Nice. Pretty cool move, BB-8. Well done. Um, that's all the Marvel books I read this week. How See? about you? Cool. That's it. Nice. Let's review Tales, a.k.a. DC. And uh, we're going to start with the aforementioned parental tearing up moment <laughs> that I spoke about. Superman issue six by uh, Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason. Also known as your fortnightly dad cry. Oh, my God. This was a good issue. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Patrick Gleason. Like this is this could be a real stupid comic and or or a really dark one. Mm. Like you know where, so we, we were we were angry that Crypto got eaten by the Eradicator a couple of issues ago. He comes back, you guys, in the best in way, the ever. best way possible. He bites through the through, <laughs> he, he bites his way out of the Eradicator like an alien. Um, I just and and this is just like occasionally it's so good to read a comic where there's just happy endings all yes, round. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because I don't read so comics nice for like real world realism, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I do sometimes, but not all the time. Uh, you even get like a really happy ending for Bippo. Yes. The world's biggest Superman fan. Um, and uh, and then Superman introduces his son to the Justice League and it's really happy, except yeah. Batman still has his classic scowl. But, uh, but Wonder Woman looks pleased. Yeah, and, uh, and not only is he... You know, introduced to the Justice League, he introduces him as ju- just as Superboy. Yeah. So this is the new Superboy, you guys. Superboy is um, John Kent. Amazing. Really. Also, man, Patrick Gleason should really be on Justice League. Has he ever done Justice League before? I mean, he's he's drawn Justice League in other people's comics, but yeah, because he's like he has a perfect Batman, such a good and Batman. such a good Wonder Woman. Yeah, so good. I would read the crap out of his Justice League. But I feel like this is, you know, Tomasi and Gleason's story together. So I, I hope this sticks around for quite a few issues. Uh, yeah, this was awesome, awesome, awesome. I really was, great. I was so happy and emotional reading this. <laughs> it was such a beautiful ending to this, this first arc. And yeah. I just think that, like, for everyone moving forward that's writing, writing for DC, they should be given this, uh, this arc and said, look, we can do warm and happy stories now. Absolutely. And here's, here's how you do it. And then this is just the new way to do it moving forward. And this is what Superman, like Superman specifically, should be like warm and uplifting and full of hope. Totally. And like good things happening, you know? Yeah. At, one, at one point, he's, um, John Kent yells out that um, Superman is for everybody. That's it's so adorable. true. It's and, so true. Oh, man, Pat- yeah, sorry. I'm just like obsessed with Patrick Gleason now. But there's like, even in like he does really adorable, funny little faces. Like John puts his two fingers up and makes a funny little Batman face. And and then when he gets his glasses for the th- his, yes. his, you know Clark Kent esque glasses for the first time, he looks so funny in them. Also, yeah. just like really proud crypto moment. Yeah, this is this comic had everything I want in a yeah. Superman book. So good, so cute. Yeah. I loved it. This is uh this is probably my favorite comic of the week this week. Yeah, and um certainly the, my favorite arc from DC Rebirth so far. Wow. We also got the uh, final issue of the first arc of Batman um, by Tom King. Um, we had a fill-in artist this week, though. I'm finally giving old mate Finch a break. Um, and we got Ivan Reyes on, 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 on pencils. Uh, yep. Which is great. I love a little bit of Reyes in my life. Yeah. Um, so this I is never a, thought I'd miss Finch, though. <laughs> <laughs> this story focused on Gotham Girl, mm-hmm. who was one of the new characters that come from that first arc. Um, she has... 
Lost uh, it? She has, well, she's, she's a psycho pirate, helped her and her brother lose their minds. Mm-hmm. And um, she's trying to be a hero, but she doesn't know why. And she's talking to herself constantly and she doesn't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has, like, she could be the most powerful being in the world for, like, one day. Or she could, you know, stretch her powers out over time. And every time she uses her powers, she, she shortens her life a little bit, which is a cool little thing to have in here. But uh, I really enjoyed her just going after all these really goofy Batman villains that I've never seen before or like yeah. feel vaguely familiar. Like I swear Kite Man is a real thing. Yeah, Kite Man's a thing. Um, and there was like Captain Stingery, who's like a, a pirate. Who but like these are all up. definitely real. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and that was one of the greatest, best things about Grant Morrison's Batman run is that he made all of the really goofy, insane 60s and 70s Batman stories canon and, mm. and kind of brought all those weird characters back and just, you know, made them fit in. Uh, I, I like that, like, you know, you can't always have Batman fighting like the Joker or Penguin or yeah. like there are all these other, you know, Zed-rate villains trying to Crazy. take over Gotham too. Yeah, there were a couple, like, there were some cool moments in this. Like, <laughs> I like how it's sort of Bruce learning how to comfort someone who went through what he went through and I like the moment where he sort of says to Alfred like when it happened to when it happened to mother and father how did you help me and Alfred says Master Bruce with all due respect each night you leave this perfectly lovely house and go leaping off buildings dressed as a bat do you really think I helped you <laughs> he writes a very point. good Alfred he writes a he writes a sassy Alfred and I love that yeah um, I also like that the next story arc is going to be very um, Amanda Waller heavy. Yeah, well, the next next story arc because we get a, uh, a crossover series called Batman that with the Monster Men, Night of the oh. Monster Men. First, so I think it's like, oh. um, like Detective and Batman and hopefully Nightwing and all those mm. books all crossing over with with Monster Men. Mm-hmm. Have you read Batman and the Monster Men? Those books no. years ago, they're really good, good mm. Batman stuff. Yeah, We're going to do a uh, a bonus episode. About Batman. Yes. All our favorite Batman stories that aren't the Batman stories that you, you know, hear recommended to you constantly mm-hmm. by uh, all of the top 10 lists. So you're not going to, there won't be like yet another uh, list that includes like Batman long Halloween. Year One and Long Halloween, et cetera, et cetera. And when a fucking, uh, what was the one Jeff Loeb wrote with um, Jim, Jim Leon art? Hush. Hush. I hate Hush. You hate Hush? Yeah. Hush is not bad. It's bad. No, it's not. Put it out there. Put my foot down. It's a bad story. No way. It's a bad story for suckers. <laughs> Nice. Um, <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> but yeah, we're going um, to be recommending our favorite Batman stories, some, but ones that you may not have heard of, mm. or ones that you know I don't think you get the the shine that they deserve. Just in time for Batman Day, which is happening this uh, Saturday, Saturday, September the seventeenth, which I will go into details of what's happening at Kings on that day later. Yeah, big bat sales, y'all. Woo! But yeah, looking forward to um, Amanda Waller being part of uh, this Batman book going yeah. forward. Yeah, and Bane. Bane too. Bane. Yeah, bring Bane, Bane back. I love Bane. Yeah. Pain's like, but I want the Gal Simone version of Bane, who's really sensitive. Yes. That's oh my, my god. Version. Oh man, I think I'm, I'm. I'm. It's high time for me to drop a whole bunch of books that I read every week and go back and just read Secret Six. Yeah, totally. So I could, I could probably burn through it in a week. I reckon. Easily, easily. I'll just stop playing the Sum game. <laughs> <laughs> um, my other favorite. These are like I love. This is a good week for DC books yeah, because absolutely. it was like my three favorite DC books all came out at the same time. Uh, in fact, I didn't dislike any of the DC books this week except Cyborg. Yeah. Um, Nightwing number four um, by Tim Seeley and art by, God damn it, I wish I put it on the front. Or I wish I wrote it down first. Uh, Javier Fernandez. Um, this is uh, kind of the, it's the conclusion of this, this Better Than Batman story. Somewhat. Um, yeah, totally is. Um, so, because the, the, the Nightwing is crossing over into Night of the Monster Man next right, too. Right, right, right. But uh, this one kind of, you know, this whole time, 
Dick Grayson has been grappling with whether he should trust Raptor or not. And uh, in this issue, he learns kind of. Hmm. <laughs> not not totally, probably. Yeah. Um, I this, is, this is a really good story, right? Yeah, I like it. It's not a really yeah, good arc. I really like the... Um, I mean, I love... Uh, what are they called? Cobra? Yeah, totally. The, the, sort of, the organization that, that, that Raptor belongs to. Yeah. that They're one of my favorite DC sort of evil organizations. So I'm psyched to see them coming back. And are the Court of Owls kind of dealt with now? We're not going to sit here from the Parliament of Owls for a while? No, Seems no, that way. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah give, me, give me some new villains. Bring back the um, the the fake Nightwing from the Ch- Chuck Dixon run. The guy mm. who like just wore like a hockey jersey. Who was mm. that guy again? Mm, I don't remember. Night, night something. Jim, you know this one? Nightwing spelt differently. Nice. was his official name. <laughs> it was really hard to announce who he was whenever he, came, he introduced himself to other villains. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought that this is a great run. Grayson is doing good... Sorry, uh, Nightwing is, is doing good stuff for me. Mm, absolutely. And you know what this made me miss? Um, I love the Dick Grayson... Um, uh, what's, what's the son? Current Robin? What's his name? Damian Wayne. Damian Wayne. I like that relationship. I yes. think that's extra adorable. That was one of my favorite things about um, Black Mirror, Scott Snyder's early DC stuff was the relationship between... Like, because they're kind of brothers to a certain extent. Yeah, so totally. So it's, it's a very cute relationship. I that, like that. that Batman and Robin run that Grant Morrison did with the two of them pairing up yeah. all time. All time. So a highlight good. of that massive run that we talk about every week somehow. At some yeah, point. somehow. Uh, finally from DC, well, almost second finally from DC, um, I really enjoyed Aquaman number six. I didn't read it. To the it. point where I'm so glad I stuck it out. Um, men, uh, drawn by the uh, aforementioned Brad Walker and uh, written by Dan Abnett. Oh, he does do a nice Superman. Yeah, the, the great Superman stuff. This is like, basically it kind of, it doesn't really work if you think too much about it because this is about Aquaman's relationship with Superman and he doesn't have a relationship with the Superman yeah. uh, that, that's currently in uh, the DC universe. Because, as we have explained very, very long <laughs> and painstakingly in the past, you know, he, he belongs from a different time, a different era, a different world, trying to fit in now. But um, basically, Aquaman kind of reveals that he's always, while he's fighting with Superman, who Superman is trying to basically stop him fighting with the US Army, um, uh, Aquaman admits to always feeling like the outsider of the league. And there's, you know, always the trinity of, of mm. Wonder Woman, Superman, and, and, um, and Wonder Woman. And then there's always like the the like smart guy kind of bros of Superman, the flash and mm. cyborg. And he's just the outsider. He's just the fish guy. Um, and, uh, I thought it was really successful. And then you have like Aquaman's invading, like the, 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 the forces Ooh. of Atlantis come, come in to kind of, you know, attack the army. And then Aquaman tells them to like, to hold and they end up going back into the, into the water. And it, it was great. And then we get an incredible black Manta moment, mm. which is what this series is really missing. From the, from when it started, and uh, I it was amazing. It was like you know that they've slowly been building up to what are they going to do with Black Manta now? Like he's not really he's kind of admitted that he doesn't really want to go after Aquaman anymore. He, he's but he's still a sinister, nefarious guy. So what's he going to do? And so he's just taken over uh, this uh, shadowy organization that kind of took him in in mm. a really gruesome and cool way. So uh, yeah, Aquaman number seven is an issue that I cannot wait to come out now. Cool. Yeah, who would have thought? Aquaman, we, we weren't super keen on those first few issues, but one of us did the right thing and stuck by that first arc. Well, one of us did the wrong thing and forgot to take it off the order, so Levin's ended up reading it anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for doing that. <laughs> thank you for do- not doing what I told you to do. <laughs> um, finally, from DC, The Flintstones, number three. 
um, by uh, um, Mark Russell and um, Steve Pugh on art. Um, Mark Russell, of course, uh, we were introduced to him on Prez, which mm-hmm. is a comic that came out last year about a uh, young girl who becomes president of America through a Twitter competition. So um, he's good at sort of slightly... Like broad political like, satire. Yeah, and I don't mean that in like a negative way. Like it's it's Fuck very that, yeah. obvious, but that like not in a bad way. Like mm. it lacks subtlety, but yeah. not in a bad way. So Prez was very, very unfortunately cut short. Apparently he had six more issues written and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, they cut it after six. But recently, like, you know, they kind of offered us like, oh, here's a little branch. They're going, they're doing a Catwoman annual on election weekend. Oh, fun. <clears throat> and the backup story in, in that annual is a Prez story. Cool. Um, so that's going to be our little conclusion to the mm. Prez run, whether or not that's going to be satisfying in any way. You can take a small amount of like relief in the fact that at least now he has the Flintstones because he's pretty much doing the same kind of like fun, Absolutely. broad, like a little bit, you know, a little bit of a bummer kind yeah. of satire. It gets dark in places. Um, I thought this was sick. This is yeah, a, this it's is a really, really good, good book, right? Like there aren't many. It's it, it's so it's all about like Fred and Barney being. On, like veterans who yeah. can't get respected in in bedrock these days, and there's like you know one of their fellow veterans is contemplating suicide. And yeah. Then did you ever you, you never used to watch the Flintstones? Right? No, no. So you no. don't know about the Great Gazoo. Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> like I sort of know enough. It's a really shit character. Yeah. That was introduced in later seasons of of the Flintstones. This dumbass green al- alien that only Fred can see and mm. speak to. Um. Introduced us to kind of like, you know, Im- improve ratings, bring yeah. a sci-fi element to the Flintstones. Like Poochie. So three issues into this Flintstones run and they kind of bring like a weird, like grounded for this universe and mm. this iteration of the Flintstones version of the Great Gazoo. In, uh, basically, they, they're they really primitive a- uh, um, astronauts send a, uh, a monkey into space by having a brontosaurus jump onto <laughs> a target and send a monkey in this crap rock spaceship flying into the into the sp- space where he explodes but in doing that um bedrock and and the earth is 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 brought to the attention of these uh very advanced aliens who come for one moment and like catalog it but then all the young people from their their species come to earth for galactic break their their version of spring break and um after turning it all to shit fred and barney get their uh their squad back together and mm-hmm. all all the veterans have something to do um, the suicidal guy ends up getting killed in the battle. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the, so to ensure that the, um, that the, like the, the aliens don't come to earth anymore and annoy them and destroy their planet. Uh, the aliens leave someone in charge to kind of monitor bedrock and earth. And it's the great gazoo, yep. which roughly translates to game warden. <laughs> <laughs> And then they end up making a statue for the dead monkey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just like, yeah. it's a really funny. It's really good. It's like, the, I, all the stuff about the veterans is like shockingly dark for a Flintstones comic. Like there's a bit where the guy who's contemplating suicide calls the suicide prevention, like veterans hotline and they put him on hold. And he goes, <laughs> well, okay, but the hold music better be pretty good. And you're just like, man, this is Flintstones. This is heavy. It, also, origin the origin story of Yabba Dabba Do isn't something right. that they practice saying in the veterans' like um, Help, su- support, group, support yeah. group to like just keep on going. Whenever anything gets really hard and you're thinking about killing yourself, say mm. Yabba Dabba Do. And I pretty much note for note described what happened in this issue, but 
you could go pick it up and find so many things to love about this. There's some really like it is really funny and the art is excellent and full of like great sight gags, great little background stuff. It's yeah, it's actually it's so worthwhile reading. Do, I'm so, so shocked. Yeah, I know. So I think when we do our best of the year awards, mm. we should have. I'm, I've working. I've started working out. I've got a little document going oh, with, nice. of categories. I want to go all out for this. Yeah. So I want to do a best comedy book, and I definitely think this is definitely Absolutely. one of the one of the. Uh, Main it's got to be up there. Got to be yeah. up there, right? The Flintstones. Add it to your pool list, or just give one issue a try. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I read a couple more DC things, which I thought I'd um, talk about quickly. Number one, I actually read the Omega Men oh, finally great. after much pressuring by you and um, King's employee Wayne. So unbelievable. Yeah. Such an unbelievable book. I really can't stress enough how much you guys should go out and pick up the trade paperback because it is phenomenal. Ah, uh, and it was one of those books that, like, halfway through, I sort of put it down and got all emotional about how much I love comics as a medium because it's something that couldn't it couldn't exist in any other way like you couldn't make that into a TV show no. and have it have the history and the meaning and the visuals the and, and the yeah. settings and the and way being able it's to told jump, jump forward in time so, yeah. so flippantly yeah it's just it's it's unbelievable and it shows what Tom King is capable of it shows what a skilled writer he is um, it's really amazing um, I also read the second volume of Teen Titans Earth One I really oh, Liked yeah. this. This is Jeff Lemire, and it's a very different version of the Titans. It's sort of a retelling um, where they're all kind of genetically modified, um, and it sort of doesn't really exist within the wider DC universe. But it's really, really good fun. The first two volumes have been excellent. The art is great. It does great versions of the characters. If you're looking for an awesome cyborg, this is a version of cyborg whose body is slowly being taken over by metal. But by the end, if he is connected to a giant robo robot, sort of like. Um, I don't know what you would like. What, like the Iron Giant? Yeah, yeah, like the Iron Giant. Were you just looking at me like, please name any giant robot? Yeah, I was like, massive robot, please name (laughs) any massive robot that you can sit inside. But yeah, so he has like a big robot that's now his friend and it's pretty cool. Um, But yeah, definitely if you like teen superhero books, I really highly recommend checking it out. So have they kind of strung together the Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, and Teen Titans of Earth One? Are they reference each other yet or no? Not yet. Not many of the. Yeah, me too. I kind of hope it just is separate because sometimes that's fun. Yeah. You don't have to worry about continuity worry about, exactly. and like all continuity that kind of nonsense. Continuity isn't always great, you guys. Yeah. Very, very few times it is actually great. <laughs> uh, while we're still talking about DC, I want to talk about two Vertigo books that I read this week. Nice. Um, two books that whenever they come out, I always say they're great and that you should be reading them too. And they are issue 11 of Unfollow by Rob Williams and um, Mike Dowling. Rob Williams uh, writing the Suicide Squad run at the moment, but don't mm. focus on that. Focus on this instead. Unfollow <laughs> is a really great story about uh, a bunch of 140 different people that are told of, over Twitter that they have inherited the billions of dollars that this rich guy is leaving once he dies. And then uh, they find out that um, for each one of them that dies, the uh, people left get more and more money. And uh, this book kind of pushed the story forward and basically... Uh, a big realization for the character, all these characters that have kind of taken refuge on one of the uh, one of the one forty, the most famous uh, of them all, Akira. Um, they they realize that um, you know they, they they've kind of in in their refuge, they're all going to be targeted and possibly killed en masse. Um, so that pretty fun revelation. I'm looking forward to the next issue in that one for sure. Um, and you should just be reading this anyway. It's classic Vertigo. Yeah, it is really, really good fun. I'm reading it in trade and um, I can't wait until issue two comes, uh, issue 12 comes out, sorry, so that um, then that can be collected in trade and Definitely. I can read it. Um, and uh, in fact, if you pick up any Vertigo book this week, there is a big recap page of uh, what's happened so far, who the key players are and who's died so far. So if you want to just 
jump right into it. This is a pretty okay guide to get you there, but you and definitely... it says next month's Unfollow 12 is going to be out of control. Looking forward to it. Amazing. Bring that body count, y'all. Um, <laughs> the Sheriff of Babylon, issue 10, another Vertigo book I read by the aforementioned, regularly mentioned, probably mm. most mentioned on this podcast's name, uh, Tom King, and uh, art by Mitch Gerrards. And uh, this is uh, an incredible story about uh, a police officer um, in Baghdad um, and uh, him basically, like, you know, it's a, it's a massive conspiracy. It's an incredible story of 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 people at war and, and, and what they are like as people trying to be people with other people. And it's, it's a, it's confusing. It's now, you know, it's gotten so far into the story that in, in, in doing, you know, I'm, I'm terrible at describing stories at the best of times and I don't want to <laughs> do a disservice to this book. I just want to say that like you, Siobhan need to catch up at some point. I can yeah, leave you on the singles I'm, or I, yeah. I'm just going to wait for the trade. Again. It, it, it's going to, it's, it's, it's going to be an incredible one, one set read. I, absolutely. I'm sure it's quite close to the end now. And the first volume is available out in trade, um, so the first six issues of that, and it is completely brilliant. And like, have you read it? You read yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I read it. I, I loved it, yeah. and it's almost like it's kind of interesting because it almost worked as a solo book. Sure. You know, like it was a very satisfying read on its own. So if you just wanted to read that and then not continue, that would probably also be fine. But I can't imagine that you would read that and then not want to read the rest of it because it's. Amazing. Yeah. No, this is like, you know, every time I read this, I'm like, hey, you should definitely be reading this. You should definitely, you should be, reading definitely be reading it, guys. You should definitely be goddamn reading this. This is going to be minimum top three of the year, if not top, yeah. my favorite comic of the entire year. Wow. Yeah. You say that a lot, though. It's <laughs> fucking powerful. Do I, yeah. say, do I say no? I say, it's, I say this would be my favorite kind of comic, uh, but overall, it's a bit of a like, No, it, it is brilliant, though. This is like comic book storytelling at its absolute finest. Absolutely. And, and Tom uh, King is, is so, like, like I was saying with Omega Man, he has such a variety of ways to tell a story like he's so skilled in how he weaves the narratives together and so inventive in the way he sets out panels and i don't know how what the sort of relationship is how much mitch jared's does in terms of that kind of stuff but i've listened to interviews with both of them and it seems pretty like even pretty uh, yeah pretty like entwined yeah but it's it's very very good yeah and, and it flicks between three characters and they're all very unique and it's just like it's a profound bummer of a story but it's yeah. riveting every every step of the way Chef of Babylon, y'all. Read it. Cool. That's DC done. Marvel done. First mm-hmm. issue's done. Leaving us with Image and Slash Others. Oh, and you have so many more in that pile than me. <laughs> you fucked up. You didn't read a few books this Yeah, week. I know. You As didn't read Goldie Vance. I five. know, because it was already gone from the shelf by the time, so I'm going to borrow it after you leave. You should have asked before. We could have been talking about it now. I forgot. Let's talk about Goldie Vance right now before we get into the image. Goldie Vance, uh, one of our favorite comics of the year so far. Mm. Um, you know, could be my favorite all-ages comic of the year. Easily. Yeah. Easily um, my favorite. Written All by ages. Oh, but do Archie, do Archie's counting that? I don't know. I don't know. I feel oh, like Archie's, Archie's is tween now. Yeah. <laughs> but Goldie Vance could be tween. Um, Hope Larson on writing, Brittany Williams on art, Sarah, Sarah Stern on colors. Um, and uh, this week, Goldie's, Goldie Vance is always meant to be a four issue miniseries. But I think I'm hoping that it was because of the popularity of the first couple issues, mm. they decided to make it on, an ongoing. So this is the first story post the uh, opening four issue arc, and it is so much better. No that way! First arc that we already love so much. Oh my much. god! Okay, I'm borrowing it. It involves like a um, a, a space woman uh, ah. washed up at sea. Um, further kind of uh, character development between Goldie and her friends, and you know, teen angst, and uh, they all want to get into NASA, and it's so oh, awesome. Brittany Williams, is such a brilliant cartoonist. Yeah, it's a it's a, this is this is the you know she's born for this book. It's so yeah. great. Um, you have an FBI agent who's a, an old friend of uh, the hotel detective that Goldie Vance works under. Oh 
Um, there's so much good stuff added to this book. Um, I can't wait for you to read it. Yeah. It's just going to be an awesome arc. Yeah. Here it is. You can read Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll do the rest of the yeah, show. Yeah, you guys just talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Goldie Vance is uh, definitely a book that you should be reading or buying for your children. Absolutely. Or and reading and for buying yourself. for your children. Yes. Yourself. Um, let's talk about image books. Siobhan, what did you read? I read Paper Girls. Brian K. Vaughan, Cliff Chang, Matt Wilson on Colors. Um, man, this book just keeps getting better and better. And more it's, batshit crazy. Yeah, just more and more nuts, more timelines, more... Alternate characters. Yeah. Ah, God, and I love Brian Cable So in this, in the last, in the last issue, we learnt um, that uh, via the message on a hockey stick <laughs> that um, we are not to trust the... Uh, the other uh, Aaron. Don't trust er- other Erin. Do you think... That it is the older version of herself, Erin, or the alternate reality, Erin, who is cloned from the original Erin, that we are not meant to trust. I don't. This is the thing. Make like, I don't Siobhan. know. I think. I think old Erin is going to be cool. Yeah, me is too. my theory. Me too. I, I think. I think other other reality because is evil. old other reality, alternate reality, um, Erin. When she saw old Aaron was like, oh, is that what I turn into? Whereas real Erin was like, oh, you're amazing. You're so cool. I wish. I'm so excited. I get to be you when I'm old. So that's how you know she's evil. Yep. Fun. Fun. It's uh, man. It is so like. It's, it's so hard to explain at this point. So I don't think we need to. I'm, yeah. I, I, I would like to assume that everyone listening right now is already reading this book. Yeah. You and, should be if you're not. Yeah. It's definitely when, when this finally finishes. I can't wait to do like a big spoiler episode. Where we just discuss the entire series as a whole. Yeah. That and, final oh. reveal towards the end of that massive blimp. So yeah. Cool. So goddamn cool. Yeah. Read it for the blimp reveal, guys. Do you reckon this, it'll ever come, hit, come to a point where, where you're anticipating this series more than you are Saga? Is that I inevitable? Know. I don't know. How long, I mean, gonna, how long is this going to continue? I always thought, and that's why I was hesitant to, to get on board with the complete insanity of it. Mm. I always thought this is going to be like a limited mini. Yeah, well, I kind of assumed that it was going to be a six-issue mini for some reason. And so, like, it seemed much more straightforward. But now he's doing the classic... BKB and expanding mm. the universe to crazy proportions. But, I, oh, yeah. man. See, whereas the, that, that six issue mini that he did with Steve Scrooge last year. Um, we Stand on Guard. We Stand on Guard about the war between America and Canada. I he liked introduced, it. It was good, but he introduced a lot of massive things that he then had to wrap up really quickly. Yeah. And I, I was worried that Paper Girls was going to do the same, but it appears we're just going to keep going and going and going with this. I hope so anyway. Yeah. This is a great same. series. So fun. And Cliff Chang is a master. Oh, and man, the like um, everything's in these like sort of pastel colors, and it just looks oh, so beautiful. And there are a few things better than having a pink comic at the top of your pile. Yeah, you pick it off in the store. so pretty, and especially when it's not the Pink Panther comic because <laughs> that was no good. <laughs> Kill or Be Killed, number two by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Elizabeth Brightweiser came out. Overall, I'm really enjoying the series, mm. um, most of all because of the Sean Phillips art. Things I'm not enjoying about this mm. because I, I, you know, I've, I very rarely am critical of Ed Brubaker stuff because I mm. love him so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that one of the tropes of well, not all the tropes, one of the main themes of uh, all the criminal books is the uh, the narrative, the first person narration throughout the book. Yep. In this, it, it's a bit too much, and there are a, f- a few moments of uh, telling more than showing, even telling us things that we just saw happen in dialogue. He will kind of. Uh, over-explain, and I'm not used to Ed Brubaker doing that. Yeah, I sort of feel like it. It it is like a character thing in this. I understand why it's a little bit because it is a lot. Like it's a fairly wordy book, but I sort of like that we're hearing 
exactly his voice, exactly what's going on in his head. And it is like, it does have personality and depth and uniqueness, you know? Yeah. Um, like the bit where he sort of, he's replaying something that happened and he can't, he was so, oh, that was uh, like he was so emotional that he can't really remember what he actually said. And he goes through all the things that he, he might have said. I thought that was really clever and really fun. Definitely. Um, one, the part that was, oh, it took me the most out of this. Mm. So, he, uh, the main character in Kill or Be Killed, has to kill somebody mm-hmm. in this issue, mm. um, or he, his own life will be taken from him. Mm. And uh, he decides to kill the older brother of someone that he went to school with, who mm. uh, he suspected of uh, uh, molesting his younger brother, his friend. Yeah. Um, and he finds this out by we do a flashback in which the younger kid says, "We could pull our underwears down and touch our peepees to our buttholes." Yeah. And I just thought that was really, really goofy, unrealistic dialogue for such a serious thing. I, I just feel like surely there's a better way to... T- I know this is a very specific complaint. But yeah, like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I just- but I, like, I sort of... I That didn't stand out to me, to be honest, because it seemed like the sort of thing that a kid would say in sure. that kind of weird situation. Mm-hmm. And Sean Phillips, like, sells it so well with the facial expressions. Totally. Yeah. I know. I just wish that there was a, a better line than that. <laughs> I, hate- I know, but I sort of, it makes it feel kind of real and horrible, you know? Like, I sort of, I, yeah, I don't know how else, like, because yeah. a little kid's not going to, if you also, if you also don't realize what it is at the time, as, like, this kid was obviously, didn't realize, um, that's kind of maybe what, I don't know. I don't know. I thought, I thought it was good. Sure. I also really liked, man, Sean Phillips, one of the things about the um, narrator that we learn um, is that his dad drew like sort of pornographic comics, basically. Now I want Sean Phillips to draw some pornographic comics because there's a <laughs> panel where um, where there's like a sexy blue skinned lady sort of floating through crazy space with like lasers and clouds and it looks very like heavy metal and it's so very cool. 70s heavy metal, yeah. I want it. Yeah, um, I should bring I up. I want that, that painted on a van. When I, when I told, um, yeah, Siobhan's porn van. <laughs> when I told Siobhan van. that we were going to be talking to Brandon Graham, immediately she was like, I want to talk to him about porn. <laughs> I do. He sounds like he has interesting opinions. So look forward to a very sexy issue yeah. of, of serious issues later in the year. Um, yeah, and look forward to my BuzzFeed article, 10 more believable lines that a <laughs> molested child will, should say in a comic. <laughs> that, oh, that's a very heavy <laughs> BuzzFeed article. And get some wild clicks, y'all. Yeah. Um, I read some image comics that you didn't, but you read one that I didn't. So you talk about that. I sort first. of half read it, to be honest. Oh, um, I read, I read issue. I read half of issue three of Red One, which is um, created by Xavier Dorison and Terry Dodson. Um, and Terry Dodson is on pencils and colors, and Rachel Dodson on inks, as usual. Um, so this is sort of like a. She is a state created um, Russian super spy with like super strength and stuff and obviously because she's drawn by terry dodson part of her power is that she's super sexy um (laughs) i sort of had forgotten so much about this since the first issue came out that we were sort of thrown right back into it and i was massively confused i like that she attacks people with a sickle i just noticed that that's very funny um and it's very it's a very wordy book okay um which is not necessarily a bad thing it just makes a uh, a book that you're not 100 percent committed to all that harder when yeah, you, when you read as many comics as we do, but I do think that not I not a complaint, guys. Just say, <laughs> Terry Dodson. Terry Dodson is such a like cheesecake. Like, like there's a bit where she's getting changed, then there's a bit where she's in the bath. <laughs> people are always looking at her tits. There's like 20 references to her boobs in the first 10 pages. It's incredible. 
I don't um, remember reading issue one or two of this. I don't know if I did. I definitely did because I love Terry Dodson. I think I'm probably going to go back and try and read this more thoroughly because I think it looks fun and silly and cheesecakey in a way that I sort of enjoy and I love some poorly written Russian stereotypes. It's my favorite. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I'm, like, I'm sorry. I'm just showing Levin's the final page in which she is actually naked just wearing a sandwich board and says recruiting extra, extras for film shoot. Urgent. XXX film shoot. XXX film shoot. Um Look forward anyway. to the next issue of that one. Yeah, it looks funny. It's funny. Um, you talk about talk to Brandon Graham about that one. Yeah. Uh, I read a couple of other image books this week. Uh, the Walking Dead, number 158, which is uh, part two of The Whisperer War, which uh, features the incredible um, Art, Art Adams uh, wraparound cover. Oh, amazing. Wraparound, but, you know, continued each month cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this uh, was just a great issue. <laughs> I read two great Robert Kirkman books this week, um, this and... Invincible number 130, which shipped late to Kings, but uh, both just uh, just so that you know nothing incredible happens, but they continue the story on in a masterful way. Mm. Um, there's a really horrible death in, uh, in in Walking Dead, as is uh, you know pretty pretty par for That's the course. Um, but uh, I just I them building the character of Negan to potentially be a good guy. Negan was at one point. And currently in the TV, when the TV series comes back, is going to be for at least an entire season, the absolute big bad, the worst Mm. bad they've faced. And he ends this issue as possibly like, you know, he he is desperate now to be seen as a good guy. That's pretty cool. And I just think it's it's a really, really interesting theme to explore in a book about zombies. (laughs) Mm, Absolutely. And, but uh, that's like that's why that's I think why The Walking Dead like I have never written an issue of The Walking Dead but I think that's why it continues to be such a massive success and such a hit is because it's not really about zombies. No, it was for the first fifty issues, but now it's so much more than mm. that. God, imagine if The Walking Dead only did like twelve issues and that was that. Yeah, what Com- did- comics would be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have image as good as it was now. Yeah. Oh man, what a different world. We wouldn't have a really half-baked version of every beloved comic book series coming to television once a month. Yeah. <laughs> Outcast. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so uh, Outcast isn't beloved. Um, yeah. but that, Sorry, I, I, thought... I also want to give a shout out to Charlie Adlard um, who, uh, and, and uh, Stefano Guardiano who does his inks. Um, they've changed it up in, for this big arc and because there's so much story to tell though he's really really playing with panel work and there's a lot of like you know up to 16 panels on each page yeah i think this this spread here is fantastic you know yeah a, that's a double, amazing the, the, the double page spread in the middle of just of what 60 32 32 squares really great stuff and then and then when you when you hit that splash page it's glorious mm. incredible moments of, of it really feels like a proper war comic in this so yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm really enjoying this series and it's always the top of like you know for an issue that for a series that's 158 issues long for this to be anywhere close to the top of my pile, let alone the very top of my pile, is unheard of. Yeah, it's crazy. If it's the one over 130, um, similarly to that, I just want to shout out Corey Walker on art for doing you know he, he was the original artist on on Invincible and then Ryan Otley took over and um, oh wow so nice so nice Corey Walker is is great. I saw someone tweet how much they would love to see a Spider Man comic. Um, Drawn by Corey Walker, and now I'm yes. inclined to agree. Yes, please. So yeah, Invincible and Walking Dead. This is uh, my little update to you to say that they're both still really good, <laughs> nice. even though they're one, two of the most weird comics coming out right now. I'm just I'm so bummed that Invincible only has like 14 issues left or something. But like, isn't I just I I 
I would love it if he just like wraps it up in the best possible way. That's and, what you like. That's what you hope for, you know. But I, I don't know. There are some things that you would love as constants, and an invincible and a Walking Dead issue once a month is one of those. Mm, yeah. Sex issue thirty-one. AKA the only the book that I'm the only person that reads in the world. Joe Casey and Peter Kowalski. Somehow it's still going. <laughs> I'm definitely There's only one, one sale of many, per I'm sure, but I don't know anyone else that reads yeah. this book. Um I just I really, really think that this is an incredible epic. Mm. There are so many characters at play. Like look, the recap page is basically just reminding you who all the characters are, and I swear they add another row of characters every month. Yeah, wow. Um what's that? That's uh what, like just under twenty characters? 19 characters, yo. That's a lot. Amazing. And, uh, you know, you, you have these... It's gone so far past this, like, sexy post-Batman mm. analogy to just actually... It's actually about to become a proper superhero book, I think. Mm. Which is what it was kind of striving to not be when it started. So, I, if it does go full circle, that would be pretty amazing. That's all the image books I read this week. I nice. also read uh, two more comics that Siobhan didn't. I sure didn't. Adventures of Archer and Armstrong number seven is uh, kind of getting way too goofy. And I, I, maybe mm. this is the point of that, but when I first started reading this series, ANA, when it started at number one with um, art by David Lafuente, mm-hmm. it was the right mix of slapstick and kind of cool art. And the story was like, it was wacky, but it was cool. Yeah. Whereas this is just kind of just goofy and wacky and the jokes are a bit more dumb. And yeah, right. it's still enjoyable and it's well written, but I don't know. Uh, if you're uh, looking for a like comedy superhero book, there's... There's, there's plenty of those. Yeah, there's plenty of those. So, yeah, and this one is all about clowns, and I fucking hate clowns. Ah. Stay out of the circus. Honestly, like, unless your parents are getting killed in the circus. Yeah, that's you have I no can... place there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, I read Rick and Morty, Little Poopy Superstar number two. Um, and again, a whole bunch of dumb jokes in a book. Um, I read this in about 30 seconds. Nice. So if uh, a 30-second long Rick and Morty episode is missing from your life, you could do worse than read Rick and Morty, Little Poopy Star number two. Woo-wee. Those are oh, the serious no. issues this week. A whole bunch of them. Nice. A whole bunch of good ones. Yeah. And a whole bunch of... Eh, as well. Mostly good ones, though. Mostly good ones. What have we got coming up next week? We've got so much good stuff coming out next week. Dare I say it could be the best week of comics <laughs> since we started serious issues um ones that i would point out as ones that you should check out um all new in humans number 11 is the final issue of that mm. um so if you've been reading and you've been like come on can you just end already like i have mm. <laughs> finally your prayers have been answered um we also get number two issues of uh some comics that we really loved at serious issues we get all-star batman number two animosity number two black monday murders number two and Briggsland number two nice um all really really excited by those also do Patrol number one, written by Gerard Way. Very, First very, thing very in the curious. Young Animals print. Yeah, I'm yeah. super curious about that. Um, First issue also of Ryan North on Jughead. Yep. Jughead is really, issue really nine. And um, apparently, that, I think that sh- ships, li- ship late. Yeah, everyone, think- everyone else in the world except Australia already has that. So don't tell me what it's like. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> um, we get the uh, first issue of Gotham Academy second semester. Um, I'm going to read that and let you know if I like it, Siobhan. Yeah. And um, lots of lots of our favorite comics. Mockingbird, Wonder Woman, heaps of good stuff next week. And I'm nice. going to accidentally read Suicide Squad number two, I'm sure, as well. <laughs> Sucked in. Uh, I definitely didn't take it off your order. So there's lots of things exciting happening for Serious Issues and King's Comics in the next few weeks. Yep, absolutely. Um, first thing, well, first things first. Um, but this <laughs> Saturday, as I said before, this Saturday, the last 17th. Last. <laughs> this Saturday, the 17th of September in Sydney, Australia, is Batman Day, the most holy day um, for comic book fans, it's not, but it's it, up there. It could be. Could be. One day. Um, 
but we are having a uh, sale at King's Comics, 10% off all Batman books and merchandise, excluding new releases, 20% off if you're a Gold Card member, which is um, a pretty sweet deal. Also, only in-store. Doesn't count online. Sorry, guys. And also, we're, we're going to be doing a Batman episode as well, as we, as we teased earlier as well, so that'll mm-hmm. come out on Saturday morning. Yep. Um, also, at the same time, we will be at Brisbane Oz Comic Con. If you guys are around in Brisbane, come say hi, because that, um, that should be a fun con. You going? No. So Kings will be there. Kings will be there. I won't be there. Goodness, no. If, but if you listen you to the podcast, no, I'm joking. if you listen to the podcast, go say, say hi to the King's Guide and say, hey, I love the podcast. You should be on it. Yeah. And more King stuff will be on our podcast. Um, a couple of things also to plug. Um, the next Queens of Kings is happening on um, Saturday, Sunday, the 25th of September. I'm really excited about that because we're going to be talking about one of my favorite manga series, Princess Jellyfish. Um, so I'm just forcing other people to read it so I have <laughs> someone to talk about it with. Man, you should start a group so that you can talk to someone about sex. Let's talk about <laughs> sex, everybody. <laughs> um, I also wanted to do a little plug for there's a new TV show out on ABC. You can, um, I think the first episode should be online at ABC view how to be a fan with hex if you have ever wondered about the inner workings of the minds of cosplayers as i have this is an excellent place to start um hex is super cute i liked it i liked it a lot a little 12 12 minute series and she's gonna look at larping next and a whole bunch of um cool fandom stuff so so so, so here's how to be a fan number one like something congratulations you are a fan (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's pretty much it and then she just stares at the camera for 12 minutes why are you still watching me Um, also, excitingly for us, we have a cool interview, um, which will be happening next week. I yeah, believe. that's right. We'll another bonus episode next week. We're doing lots of bonus episodes, so let us know if you would like more. Um, we are doing an interview with Pat Grant, an Australian comic book writer who wrote a great comic um, that you can read for free. Um, yes. Uh, where can you read that for free? You can look that up while I talk about it. It's called Blue, and it's about um, immigration in Australia and also surfing. And, uh, like, you know, it's, it's kind of heavy but also light at the same time. It's a very... Australian comic. It's very. It's the only comic I've ever read which has the word "festy" in it, which <laughs> I loved. Um, you can check that out. The entire eighty-page um, comic for free, which is unbelievable, at www.boltonblue b o l t o n blue dot com, um, and it's it's extremely good. It's incredible. I, we'll, we'll post it on the website too because it's 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 an amazing. And, and they're going to do at the end of the month in Wollongong uh, for a big festival. They're doing a live reading of the comic with uh, incredible visuals and different. Um, Different people lending their voices to yeah. the characters, which sounds really awesome. So we're going to be talking to Pat about that and about what he's got planned next yeah. uh, next week. So look forward to that too. And the Batman episode at the end of the week. Lots of new serious issue stuff coming out. Um, you can stay tuned by uh, following us on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash serious issues podcast. Mm-hmm. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Um, serious underscore underscore issues two underscores there that wasn't don't me. forget the second underscore that wasn't your uh, audio device accidentally repeating a second as, as they can do sometimes um, and uh, you can find Siobhan and I on there individually um, Siobhan CBG mm-hmm. or at levdog L-E-V-D-A-W-G on Instagram Twitter and Facebook um, and uh, you can send us an email um, because we're going to be doing regular bonus episodes in which we give you guides to certain characters or creators or mm-hmm. imprints Um so if there's anything that you would like to know more information about, we uh, we can talk to some experts and ourselves yeah. and help put together an, a, a good starting list for you. Send us an email to seriousissues at kingscomics.com. Thanks so much for listening. We Thanks, will see guys. you next week. Stay serious. <laughs> Bye-bye.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Boll Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Boll and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bollandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.